This, this is the second, second Story Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Second Story Podcast. Today on the program, we have a bit of a treat. Occasionally, we'll have two storytellers perform simultaneously. Today, we feature Emily Hooper Lansana and Onam Lansana performing together. Emily Hooper Lansana is a performing artist, arts administrator, and educator most well known for her work with performance duo In the Spirit. For more than 20 years, she has performed as a storyteller, sharing her work with audiences throughout Chicago and across the country. She's been featured at the National Storytelling Festival, the National Association of Black Storytellers Festival, and many others. Onam Lansana is Emily's son. He's an active member of the ASE Youth Group, which is an affiliate of the National Association of Black Storytellers. He's also a member of the Rebirth Poetry Ensemble, a second place finalist in Louder Than a Bomb, and has performed spoken word with the Civic Orchestra at the Goodman Theater. Just a reminder to storytellers, we are in our final push for submissions. If you would like to send us a 10-minute nonfiction piece about an experience you've had, please send it over to submissions at secondstory.com. Please make it Times New Roman, double-spaced, 12-point font, and include your name, the story title, and the page number on each page's header. Also, please send us a resume, including any performance or writing experience you have, but remember it's not mandatory. We want to hear great stories at various skill levels. Again, the address is submissions at secondstory.com. Send it over as soon as possible. All right, let's get right into Onam and Emily's story, which was recorded on February 12th, 2016 at Pub 626. Perhaps the most challenging thing about being a parent is making decisions and recognizing that those decisions have the potential to have a lasting impact on someone's life. When Onam was entering fifth grade, we made the decision to transfer our sons from private school to public school. I remember my first day of school like it was yesterday. I was standing on the corner of the playground holding two Trader Joe's bags full of supplies. I was so nervous, I was shaking. When our teacher came down to get us, I was so scared. Initially, the transition was difficult, but Onam seemed to make friends pretty quickly. He got involved in lots of activities from the soccer team to ballroom dance. My mom told me about this competition called Having a Ball, which was a mandatory ballroom dance competition for all fifth graders at participating schools. I was working in the Office of Arts Education that produced the ballroom dance program, and I was a little anxious about how Onam was going to take to ballroom dance. I was surprised at how excited he was about dancing. He was practicing moves at home all the time. I thought I was going to hate having a ball, but I ended up loving ballroom dance. It made me more comfortable with my new school. There was this beautiful, dark young woman named Ryan Walker. When we were in after school together, it was amazing. 
we became really, really close. I had a huge crush on her. One afternoon in early spring, I arrived to pick Onam up from after school. And a charming, dark-skinned little girl approached me with a pair of pearls in her hand. She said, Mrs. Lansana, do these belong to you? They did, but I was so shocked <laughs> that I was silent for a moment. She continued, Onam gave them to me, but I thought you would want to have them. I reclaimed my pearls and said, thank you. Stunned, I tried to process this. He went into my room, went through my jewelry, took something of mine and gave it to a little girl. I can't figure out which thing to be upset about first. He lied, stole my jewelry, gave it away. <laughs> but to my surprise, the primary thought in my mind was, he has good taste in women. <laughs> I was very impressed with this little girl named Ryan. Yes, she was beautiful, but much more important, she was fierce. I don't remember why Ryan was mad at me, but I remember that any time she was upset with me, I wanted to fix it. So I thought, what was a better idea than to get her jewelry? And of course, in the fifth grade, I didn't have money to buy her jewelry. So I thought, my mom has hundreds of pieces of jewelry. She won't know if one little piece is missing. So I took the pearl necklace. It didn't quite work out as I had planned. As the time for the ballroom dance competition approached, Onam began scheming to change his partner. I had to have Ryan as my partner. When me and Ryan danced together, it felt like nothing could touch us. We felt like we were in our own world, free from everything. So I had my best friend, who the teachers initially partnered with Ryan, say he didn't want to dance with her so I could have her as my partner. This guy is still one of my closest friends to this day. As soon as I saw the two of them dancing together, I knew that they had found something special. They looked so happy. They didn't win, but it didn't seem to matter much. We started with the jive. It was a fun, fast, upbeat dance. We learned that it was a swing dance from the jitterbug. This was my favorite dance to dance with Ryan because it was so similar to the way we were together. Always happy and smiling and vibrant. In the competition, we made it through the first round, which we thought was the biggest deal in the entire world. We were so excited. We thought we were amazing. I remember my Uncle Avery taking pictures of us in the corner of the gym. We got knocked out in the second round. So maybe we weren't that good. Parents often struggle with watching their children begin to have relationships. We don't know what role we should play. Should we encourage or discourage? I encouraged from a distance. Through the rest of fifth grade, we became really close. But my mom didn't buy me a cell phone. So over the summer, all we could do was email. My husband and I always said that we would get the boys cell phones when they were old enough to take public transportation on their own. I was still driving them to school and picking them up every day. So what did they need cell phones for? 
Spring gave way to a long, hot summer, and soon it was time to go back to school. At the beginning of the year, he didn't talk about Ryan much, but before too long, she was part of the daily conversation again. When we were in sixth grade, we started getting closer and closer. Outside on the playground at our school, there was a track. Me and Ryan would spend hours after school walking around the track talking about everything. Right around Thanksgiving, Ryan missed a few days of school. I was concerned about her and was sad that I hadn't seen her in a few days. I remember saying to Onam, how's your girlfriend? You should check on her. Maybe we can have her over to dinner or something. He said, okay. It was another one of those, if you would have let me have a cell phone moment. That next day, I was sitting at my desk at work when an email came from the principal of Alcott. I opened it expecting a note about school fees or an assembly. As I read through the email, my heart froze. We didn't even know that she was sick, just that she had asthma. On that November morning, they called the whole grade into the science classroom. We were so confused. Why were we gathered together? We never did things as a whole grade that were unannounced. I remember that day more than any other day in my entire life. I was sitting in the third floor science classroom of my elementary school, and the CPS counselors came in and said, Ryan Walker died of lung cancer. I sat at my desk thinking, oh my God, this can't happen. She is a beautiful, vibrant 12-year-old child. How can she be gone? What will I say to Onam, and will it matter? Until then, I thought death only happened to older people, and that you would at least get to say goodbye. When I first found out, I was so shocked, I really didn't cry. Then at the funeral, I cried more than I have in my entire life. This school brought two busloads of fifth and sixth graders to the funeral. They asked everyone to wear blue. It was her favorite color. It was a huge Baptist church on the far west side. They had pastors around the sanctuary to respond to the needs that they anticipated. It was an open casket. She was dressed in a blue skirt and blue argyle sweater. Long curls gently framed her face. My husband and I sat there holding our son between us in a church filled with Ryan's classmates and loved ones. How could she be so alive and so suddenly gone? Each person who talked about her said what a wonderful friend she was, how she brought so much joy. There seemed to be hundreds of pictures, and each one of them, she looked so full of life. In 12 years, she had made a greater impact than many do in 60 or even 70. I often think about those I know who have died young. Sometimes it seems as if they have lived more fully than the rest of us, that somehow they were trying to push hundreds of days into each one. 
I remember everything about the funeral. The fact that we saw two of my friend's dads smoking cigarettes in the parking lot. The way I slumped crying on my mom's lap. The way my body lost itself when I saw her in the casket. What I wore, black pants, blue shirt, black tie. The fact that I could never wear that old navy peacoat the same way. The fact that after that day, nothing was the same. At 12, I had learned that death, this once distant thing, was a constant being lurking over us. Medicine is limited and imperfect. For months, Ryan was prescribed different asthma medications. It was not until she was gone that they discovered she had lung cancer. We are told that a good parent is able to guide and protect their children. We could not protect him from this, could not fill the hole created by this loss. We lit a candle for her, prayed for her and her family. I asked Onam, if you could talk to her one last time, what would you say? He said, goodbye. I will never forget that. I thought about how adults so often say, I would have said, and the words go on and on and on as if those last words could bring the loved one back. His one word response was so honest, so innocent. Yes, what we really want is to say goodbye. Onam hid all of her pictures and shut down. He refused to talk about it for years. We tried to move on. He danced for a few months after Ryan passed away, but then stopped. He shifted his attention to soccer, storytelling, and poetry slam. I worried about if he would ever make peace with such a loss suffered at such a young age. The time in between the funeral and being able to write the poem was a time of trying to cope. There was a long time where I was a completely different person. I went from a kid who had just broken out of his new, I, I went from a kid who had just broken out of his shell at a new school to someone who was lost in so many ways. I really shut down. It took more than a year for me to feel like myself again. There was and still isn't a day that goes by where I don't think about Ryan or where her or where our life would be. My dad is a poet, so I grew up doing slam. And I always heard people talk about writing the poem that would heal you. I wrote this poem when I was a freshman in high school. This poem gave me a kind of closure that if maybe if I do this poem, the fact that I never got to say goodbye would be okay. I watched him stand on stage in front of 2,500 people and tell the story that he had been unwilling to talk about for years. As the time approached, I kept saying, are you sure you want to do this? He looked at me as if to say, it is something that has to be done.
our dance. Life is a dance. Pick your partner, introduce yourself, never lose eye contact, feet moving like fire. Hold your partner close, never stop dancing. Fantasies of fifth grade, where I first met you, you said we were going to be like Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. I am nervous. Tuck and tattered first day at a new school. Your beauty entranced me. Our love story was a twisted version of a Disney fairy tale. In fifth grade, we learned ballroom dance, dancing with the stars turned dancing with reality falling in and out of a teenage love pool, more like an almost teenage love pool, summer filled with emails, do you still love me sixth grade? You started to drown and I couldn't save you, you started to drown and I couldn't save you. Cancer caught you in the deep end for too long, it seized you swiftly like syndrome, you were my incredible, why didn't you protect yourself? Maybe. It was because popsicles dyed our tongues every color of the rainbow. Maybe it was me. I am afraid of emotions that say nothing lasts forever. Like this dance, you are going to spend the rest of eternity like I spent my first 60 seconds blue on the outside, breathless on the inside. People will be screaming to see you cry or move or wake up, wake up. We are supposed to be brown, not blue, moving, not still together, not apart. November 30th. 2010, you drowned forever. Now you are dancing in heaven. I guess that is why they never made a second Incredibles. Pictures become scars instead of memories. I went to my first funeral when I was five. Before I knew what a wedding was, before I knew what love was, so I guess it is natural. I know death better than I know love. I wish we could wake up from this hell together. You were the girl of my dreams, you became the girl I can only see in my dreams, nightmares like early caskets. I wish we could be fifth graders forever, share our breasts like we share popsicles, say our goodbyes like wedding vows. But I realized when we were eating ice cream outside, cancer was eating at your inside. So I wish I could eat at your cancer so we could finish it, defeat it, together dance like we did in fifth grade. Pick your partner. I pick you, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Ona, never lose eye contact. I will look into your brown eyes forever. Feet moving like fire, we have to do our steps faster. Hold your partner forever, trust me, I am not going to let go. Ryan, where are you? Your Romeo is right here. I can't see you, I can't feel you, but I, I'm still dancing. You stopped breathing at age 12. But promise me, you are still dancing in heaven because I will always, always dance with your ghost.
Onam and Emily's story was curated by Jess Young. They were directed by Dorothy Milne. It was produced by Ali Drum. The sound design was by Matthew Chapman. Second Story is supported in part by the Chicago Community Trust, the MacArthur Funds for Arts and Culture at the Richard H. Treehouse Foundation, the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, a City Arts Grant from the City of Chicago Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events, the Arts and Business Council of Chicago, the Arts Work Fund for Organizational Development, and many generous individuals like you. If you'd like to support Second Story, please visit our website at secondstory, that's 2ndstory.com. I'm Nick Kawahara, and this, this is the Second, Second Story Podcast.